So we need to do something about our self in the mirror of Dharma with additions, Venerable Geshe says, we should know that we are thinking, I, I, day and night, even during sleep. Because of this, we perceive an I as ourself. This I, I perceive this I, this is me. We've, I'm, I'm conceiving a self and I'm believing that this is me and I believe in it. This way of identifying ourself is wrong because the I that we normally see does not exist. Through this, we can understand how we are identifying ourselves mistakenly all the time. For example, suppose a practitioner called John, through perceiving his body or mind, which are the basis of which are his basis of imputation, spontaneously thinks, "I am John." Because his basis of imputation, his body and mind are contaminated by the inner poison of delusions. His recognition of himself as John will cause him to experience suffering continually. This is not only for John, but for everyone. My thought, I am Rabton, is what is binding me to unending suffering. It is what is leaving me vulnerable to rebirth in the hell realms. It is what is between me and being the person that others need me to be, a person who is capable of liberating others. This is my ocean of samsara that I'm drowning in. I am Rabton. And it's the same for everyone. So, we heard previously of the solitary conqueror who came across some bones, human bones in a cemetery. And from these bones, he understood the 12 dependent related links. And he developed renunciation. And upon further examination, because the bones depended upon death and the death depended upon birth, he came to understand how the 12 dependent related links are all dependent arisings. They all exist in dependence upon causes and conditions. They don't exist truly. They are empty of inherent existence. And this is the insight that hopefully we will glean from reflecting and focusing on the wheel of life in this session. So the first stage for realizing emptiness always is to clearly identify the negated object. We need to be able to observe in our own experience the self that we believe in, the self that we conceive of. In the section on dependent-related ignorance, Venerable Geshe says, when we can clearly identify this first link, dependent-related ignorance, we are approaching a realization of selflessness. This is because in identifying what kind of object is conceived by self-grasping ignorance, and how it is held by that mind, we are identifying the object negated by the wisdom realizing selflessness. The wisdom directly realizing emptiness eliminates dependent-related ignorance, the first dependent-related link, the root of samsara. To identify in our own experience this ignorance and its conceived object, we need to engage in repeated contemplation and meditation. This is the most important stage. 
You know, there, there can be many different challenges in realizing emptiness, but almost invariably the, the missing link, the, the, the stage that hasn't been properly accomplished is this first stage, identifying the object of negation. And this isn't an analytical stage. It's an observational stage. We need to observe in our own experience. It's not theorizing, how do I think I exist? How do I? It's not, it's not an analytical, it's not a philosophical process. It's a process of observation. And that's why we need to be patient and take our time. And we can be skillful. There's various things that we can do that will induce a, a more vivid sense of self that is easier to observe. And when we do those things, we concentrate on the imagination or the scenario that is eliciting, inducing this stronger sense of self. And then just observe, just observe. Venerable Gesha says, if our mind is agile and alert, we can use many different methods. For example, while we are meditating, we can deliberately arouse strong self-grasping by imagining that we are in great danger. We can imagine that the floor of our meditation room is caving in, that a fire has broken out in the room, or that a bomb is falling on our house. So we can imagine ourselves like in an earthquake and we're, we're about to collapse into a sinkhole or into some chasm between tectonic plates. We are surrounded by a bushfire, forest fire, and we're about to be engulfed. Our, ho our home is in flames. A bomb is landing and about to obliterate our home. Now we can think of ourselves waking up in a place pervaded by fire. We can think of ourselves as someone who is bound by delusions and therefore vulnerable to all of the sufferings of samsara and think deeply upon this. And the wisdom fear that arises, perhaps we can see a more vivid sense of ourselves. If we powerfully imagine a situation like this, we will develop fear and a strong sense of I. When this sense of I has arisen in our mind, we have a great opportunity to identify our dependent related ignorance grasping at I. And if we analyze skillfully, we will also be able to identify the conceived object of this ignorance. So, observe we we can imagine ourselves falling down a flight of stairs or standing at the edge of a precipice we can imagine ourselves caught in the headlights of oncoming traffic what what does the eye appear to be in such scenarios the eye appears to be something very real very solid very singular. You know, when I'm falling down the stairs, there's not a whole host of things falling down the stairs. There's one very important thing falling down the stairs, and it's me. I am falling down the stairs. It isn't just in these more extreme situations 
that the eye manifests. The eye is all the time. We're conceiving the eye, grasping at the eye. But to elicit a, a more vivid sense of self, we can do this. But we need to also then to identify it right now. Now, this is a useful initial stage, but we need to be able to identify the eye that we're grasping at as we're sitting doing the meditation. Because then we can check, does this eye actually exist? Now, we have a very strong sense of who we are. And, you know, interesting, that can fluctuate wildly, even during the course of a day. On the beginning of the day, perhaps we can be full of self-confidence. A few things happen and we can be utterly deflated. At one point in the day, we can think, I'm really good at this thing that I do. And another time, we can think, I'm the worst at this ever. This is terrible. We can have a very strong sense of self that's reg regularly, wildly changing. If we were to ask our friends, family, acquaintances, to write a description of who we are. And they all present us with these sheets they've written down there, their description of ourself. As we read them, it will elicit a response, a strong sense of self. Some of the things that we'll read will think, that's not fair, I am not like that. Some of the things we'll read, we think, oh, it's lovely. It's lovely that they think that of me, but I'm not like that. Now, we have a strong sense of self, and we tend to think our version of ourself is much more realistic and correct than anyone else's. It's still just a sense of self. It's just our idea of who we are. So through whatever way we can, we get a sense of, our, of the self that we're grasping at the self that we normally see, the self that we believe in, the self that we're protecting, that we worry about, that we want to make sure is comfortable and gets, gets the good night's sleep and uh, gets the healthy food that they need to eat and the exercise and the downtime and all the things that we're trying to make sure this person has. That person. We're going to check if that person actually exists. 